Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. And as we've been looking at this uh, armor, we now come to this fifth piece of the armor here about the helmet of uh, salvation. Now, we've already covered about the uh, belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel shoes, and we spent several weeks looking at the shield of faith, several different ways that the devil, the enemy, attacks us uh, by throwing those uh, fiery darts. But now we come here to this fifth piece, this uh, helmet of salvation. And I think we sometimes forget of how important the helmet really is. Like what, how important is the helmet that we are supposed to be wearing? And uh, when I worked construction uh, during uh, several summers in between uh, college and high school and stuff, uh, one of the jobs that I was uh, at, uh, it was uh, it was a government-funded job, and so they had a lot of requirements on things. And one of those things, you had to wear a, a hard hat, you had to wear steel-toe shoes, you had to wear a safety vest, safety goggles, all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, why am I have to wear all this stuff? All I'm doing is just like sweeping a room, you know? <laughs> But uh, the, the helmet was there to keep you, to protect you from any type of potential dangerous situations. Uh, most professional sports uh, require the use of a helmet to protect the individual's head. Uh, but unfortunately, there are many who take their lives in their own hands uh, by not wearing or protecting themselves with a helmet. Um, my brother... Uh, when he was 18, I remember I was still in uh, high school. My brother had just graduated. He got into BMX bike racing. And there was a track, a BMX track, uh, that was uh, not too far from our house. And uh, he was doing some jumps and stuff. And they have a jump called a tabletop jump, which there's a ramp on one side, a ramp on the other. And in between, it's a, it's a, tabletop basically like a dirt tabletop and you're supposed to jump all the way over that whole tabletop well he jumped he cut it short and he pounded his face planted his face right into the dirt and uh, he had to have total face reconstruction of surgery they cut him from ear to ear pulled his face down and reconstructed his whole face I mean it was bad uh, but he was not wearing a helmet and uh, you think of the, the dangers that, that people face by not wearing a helmet. And I believe it's also true in the Christian life. Uh, there are many who do not protect themselves by taking up the helmet of salvation. They just wondrously, just dangerously go into enemy territory unprotected. Um, they uh, develop uh, a worldly mindset. They swim in the current uh, worldly affairs and the worldly entertainment. They, um, they're oblivious to the godless philosophical assumptions that underlie worldly type thinking. If it feels good, do it. Uh, you know, that's just your opinion, whatever it may be. Um, so they, they take this stuff in and they never protect themselves. And uh, these careless Christians, I believe, they ignore or sometimes even ridicule the need for sound doctrine. They want experience. They don't want doctrine. They want good feelings, not careful thinking, because 
They do not protect their heads. They are not transformed by the renewing of their minds. As Romans 12, 1 and 2 teaches us that uh, we are supposed to be renewing our mind, not being conformed to the image of this world, uh, but we're supposed to be renewing our mind. Um, these careless Christians, they do not renew their minds. They just take in whatever the world gives them and they don't uh, carefully sort it out. Uh, so God gives us this helmet of salvation so we can protect our minds. And so here's what I want, to take, want you to take away with you today. To stand against the enemy's attacks, put your helmet on. To stand against the enemy's attacks, put your helmet on. So let's look at a few things here about this helmet of salvation. Number one, why you need a helmet. Here's our text, Ephesians 6, 17. And take the helmet of salvation. And take the helmet of salvation. Just before going into battle, the Roman soldier would put on a helmet either made of bronze or of leather with pieces of metal that would cover, uh, that would cover it. It also had cheek pieces to protect part of their face. In Isaiah 59, 17, we come across an interesting verse that Paul, I believe, was pulling from uh, where it says that the Lord, as the righteous judge and warrior, it describes God as being the righteous judge and warrior. Listen to what uh, Isaiah 59, 17 says. He, God, put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head and he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. Now Isaiah was picturing God going forth into battle to bring deliverance to his people by judging their enemies. But here in Ephesians, Paul pictures believers putting on the helmet of salvation to protect themselves in the conflict with the enemy. Let me read Ephesians 6.17 out of a couple other translations that I think really help us understand this idea of putting on the helmet of salvation. Here's one. Let God's saving power be like a helmet. Here's another one. Put on salvation as your helmet. So Paul is saying the helmet, which is salvation, is what will protect your head from the enemy's attacks. So why do I need a helmet? Because the helmet protects your head from the enemy's attacks. If you think about it, the head is very important to the Christian life. Let me give you a couple things about how the helmet protects your head. Number one, how you think in large part determines how you feel and how you act. How you think in a large part, determines how you feel and how you act. Jonathan Edwards said this, he said, the ideas and images in men's minds are the invisible powers that constantly govern them. The things that you think about the most is what governs your life. So if you're thinking of worldly type and uh, ungodly type of thoughts, dangerous types of philosophical types of teaching that the world is pumping out and you're just taking it in, taking it in, taking it in, 
your life is going to be governed by that because that's what you think about. To put it bluntly, for example, if you're an angry person, it's because you are thinking selfishly. You think, I have my own rights. I'm not going to let that person treat me this way. I want my way. Angry people think that the world owes them something. How they think determines how they feel about life and how they act. In the worst cases, I just saw again uh, in the uh, Elkhart uh, newspaper yesterday, a teenager, 14 years old, being tried as an adult because of murder. How did that happen? They end up injuring or killing others to get what they want. But it all stems from their thinking. Listen to what Mark 7, 21 says. Jesus says this, For from within, out of the human heart, comes evil ideas, sexual immorality, theft, and murder. So your thinking also determines how you look at this world. If your mind is filled with unbiblical ideas and worldly philosophies, then you will have no problem whatsoever with the ungodly agenda that is being pushed today. Ideas create worldviews, and worldviews shape the world. I watched a documentary movie years ago, and I'd, I'd recommend it. It's, it's a, a fabulous movie. It's called Expelled. And uh, the, the person that uh, stars in the movie is, is Ben Stein. You might have remembered him from Clear Eyes is Awesome. Wow. Remember that guy? Okay, well, he did a documentary. And in the documentary, he shows about uh, scientists who have been expelled from the classroom because they were pursuing uh, intelligent design, meaning the fact that there could be an intelligent design, a creator that created everything. And they were being ostracized. And throughout the movie, he begins to pinpoint where this type of what type of thinking and where it led to. And uh, he saw how the idea of Darwinian evolution was at the root of Hitler's extermination of the Jews. Uh, and even it's also at the root of Planned Parenthood's uh, killing of unwanted babies. So the point is your head determines how you think about all of life. To put on the helmet of salvation requires that you learn to think biblically about the predominant world views that are here. You must develop a Christian mind, a saved mind, a type of mind that is biblical in line with scripture. Secondly, what you think about determines how you are going to live. If your brain is not working properly, it affects other parts of your body and how they work. A brain injury can affect motor skills or the ability to speak or think clearly. So spiritually speaking, when we're talking about the helmet of salvation and it's supposed to protect you from the attacks of the enemy, salvation determines how you will live in this world. Salvation determines how we live in this sinful world. We live as pilgrims who have uh, been rescued from this present evil kingdom of Satan. This world is not your home. It's not. Now you live here, but you don't have to live like the world. We have a saved mind. We should have a saved mind. We should be protecting our mind uh, from the enemy's attacks. 
We live in subjection to Jesus Christ as Lord and King. We should view everything, values, money, entertainment, the arts, politics, from the perspective of being saved people. Understanding this doctrine of salvation, I believe, really equips us to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Salvation really is the foundational doctrine to understand and how it relates to the believer. So putting on this helmet of salvation protects everything in your life. So when Paul tells us here to take the helmet of salvation, he's saying don't go into battle with your head unprotected. Protect your head. It determines how you think and how you function in all of life. As someone said this, and maybe you've heard this uh, quote as well, watch your thoughts because they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. So why does Paul then call it the helmet of salvation? What does salvation have to do with protecting our head? Why are we supposed to be protecting our head with salvation? So this is the second point here. What is then the helmet of salvation? When we talk about salvation, what is salvation? What is it? You know, you hear people use the lingo and they say, oh, I was saved. I've been saved. The Lord Jesus saved me. I've received salvation from the Lord. What does that mean? We mean that we've been saved. Salvation means that he, Jesus, God, he has rescued you from the penalty of sin. He is rescuing you from the power of sin. And he will rescue you from the very presence of sin. You see, salvation is an ongoing process. It's not just a one-time event. There was a time that you believed the gospel and you repented of your sin and you were saved from the penalty of your sin. But now as you're growing in Christ, you are being saved from the power of sin and in the future one day you will be saved from the very presence of sin. So I believe when Paul was writing this he wasn't calling us only to remember what Christ has done or what Christ is doing or only what Christ will do. When we are commanded to put on this helmet of salvation Paul is telling us we need to emphasize the entirety of salvation, past, present, and future, as taught throughout all of Scripture. So putting on the helmet of salvation means that you are to think about all of life from the perspective of God's full salvation, past, present, and future. So let me break this down to you for you just a little bit more. What is salvation? What does it mean? Here they are. Number one, remember that God has saved you from the penalty of sin through faith in Christ's death on the cross. Man is evil and corrupt. There is no 
way of getting around that at all. Man is evil and corrupt. Salvation really is a radical word, isn't it? It is so commonplace today that we don't think about what it really means. To be saved, you must be helplessly, hopelessly lost. As uh, Charles Spurgeon said, he says, you have to realize that you are standing on the gallows with the rope around your neck and the executioner is about ready to pull down the, 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 the lever and you are going to die and somebody comes and releases you from that death penalty. So to be saved means that God rescued you from a condition where you could do nothing to rescue yourself. As Ephesians 2, 1 says, you were dead in your transgressions. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Before, be before God began to work in you, in your life, you didn't know that you were lost and you didn't desire to even be saved. You were not seeking after God. But when God began to work in your life, the Holy Spirit began to convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. You heard the gospel. You heard the good news that Jesus Christ took your sin penalty and your death penalty. He took upon himself the wrath of God and God removed that blindness from your eyes and you realized, oh, to be saved. I, I, I need Jesus, right? And so Christ saved you. He showed you that you were headed for judgment and that you needed salvation. And so to appreciate this helmet of salvation that God provides in Christ, you must take your fallen condition seriously. You must recognize that you are guilty and condemned with no human way out of your sentence of execution. And Christ saved you. Salvation is not earned or merited. Notice what it says here, Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation. That word take is literally to receive, accept, or welcome. It implies that we saw what we saw earlier in the, in the book of Ephesians, that salvation is God's gift. Paul stated it in Ephesians 2.5, even when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Grace means that salvation is an undeserved favor or gift. To make sure that we understand this vital truth, Paul repeats it again in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So you simply receive by faith the gift of what Christ did for you on the cross. But to receive it, you must let go of your good works as the basis of your acceptance with God and trust in Christ alone. We just sang that song, Christ alone, cornerstone, right? Is your faith resting in Christ and Christ alone? This is what we're talking about with this helmet of salvation. If you're going through life without any care whatsoever of protecting your head, you're not taking seriously what it means, the fact that you have trusted in Christ and Christ alone for salvation. Salvation came at a very high cost, did it not? Why did Jesus die? 
Why did Jesus die? Some wonder, why did Jesus Christ have to die on the cross for my sins? When someone wrongs me, I just forgive them, right? I mean, couldn't God just simply just say, hey, you, you really offended me. I mean, you're, you're a lawbreaker. I created you, and you're a lawbreaker. I'm just going to forgive you. No, God could not just simply forgive us. There had to be a payment made. Somebody had to pay the penalty. And so Jesus himself took upon our penalty and paid for us. And so salvation, when we talk about this idea that Christ has saved us, we're, taking, we're talking about putting on this helmet of salvation, we understand what Christ has done in us. Salvation is really new life in Christ with a regenerated mind. When God saves us, he makes us new creatures in Christ. We saw this in Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, where Paul contrasts the unbeliever and the believer. Uh, he says, unbelievers, they walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. But we have laid aside that old self, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. If we know Christ, then we should no longer be walking in the old man, the old ways, the old mind, the old self. We've been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. He says that we are being renewed in the spirit of our mind and have put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Salvation should dramatically change the way that we live, how we think, the values that we hold and the motives behind our actions. And let me say this, and I'm trying to say this as nicely and as kindly as possible and loving as I possibly can. But if your life has not changed, you still hold to the old values. You still think the old way. You still walk in your old sins. You do not know Christ. And you need to repent and believe the gospel. Salvation changes us. You cannot have an experience with God and walk away unchanged. So when we put on this helmet of salvation, we're reminding ourselves daily of the dramatic changes that God brought about in our life when he rescued us from the penalty of sin through faith in Christ. Secondly, remember that God is rescuing you from the power of sin through the resurrection life of Christ in you. This is awesome to think about. When we put on this helmet of salvation, we're reminded of this awesome truth. Paul explains this all in Romans 5, 6, and uh, 7. And I encourage you to read those, those chapters and, and, and dig deep into them. But he talks about and shows how believers are identified with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. So now that we've been raised to newness of life, 
He says that sin should no longer have dominion over us. Romans 6, uh, 1 through 14, he writes in Romans 6, 11, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The resurrection life of Christ through his indwelling Holy Spirit enables us to walk in newness of life, free from the power of sin. Do you know you do not have to sin? You do not have to obey sin. If you have Christ living in you, you have the power to say, no, I'm not going to live that way. I like what Reba said. She looked in the mirror. What was she doing? Looked in the mirror and said, I'm not going to live this way anymore. Now, if Reba was unregenerate, she wouldn't have the power to do that. But because she has the Holy Spirit living inside of her, she can say, I don't want to live this way anymore. And I can live for God and I can live my life for Christ. And so we have that power to do that. There's two realities for this for the believer because you're not living in sin anymore. Number one, you should be growing in holiness and experiencing constant victory over sin. Now, I didn't say sinless, okay? but growing in constant victory over sin. I still sin. Do I have to sin? No, but I still do sin. I still yell at people while I'm driving, get upset, right? I don't have to do that. And this is a lifelong process. There'll be frequent failures and, and setbacks. The overall curve should be growing in obedience and victory over sin. Now, if you're living your life and you have no desire whatsoever to grow in obedience, that's where I say there's a problem there. But if you're struggling, if you are struggling with sin, that means you're alive. There's life in you because you're struggling with this battle that's going on between the old man and the new man. And so if you're constantly disobeying God and yielding to temptation, you need to find a spiritual mentor who can help you devise a strategy for victory. No Christian needs to live in constant bondage to sin. You don't have to live that way. Salvation in the present tense is salvation from the dominion of sin in your daily life. Here's the second thing about growing constantly in your salvation is you should be growing in assurance of your salvation. If you follow uh, any of the news and Christian type uh, news you may have seen lately, uh, two people... Uh, uh, one man wrote a book, uh, Joshua Harris, uh, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Well, now he's kissed his faith goodbye as well. Um, and then there was a, another uh, guy um, uh, involved with, uh, with Hillsong that has even uh, renounced his faith. And we look at that and we say, what in the world is going on here? Did these people actually just, I mean, just decide, not, no longer am I going to follow Jesus? Well, the truth is they never really did follow Jesus. They really never were a Christian. The Bible tells us in 1 John, it says that uh, they went out from us because they were never of us. Because if they were of us, they would have continued with us. 
And so putting on this helmet of salvation means that you're growing in your assurance of faith every single day. As you grow in obedience to God, you should be growing in assurance that he truly has saved you. Listen to Matthew 7, 21 through 23. These are some of the most terrifying words in all of scripture. Listen to what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many powerful deeds in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you lawbreakers. Not, I used to know you, but now I don't, but I never knew you. These people were never saved. They never knew Christ. And so you can be deceived into thinking that you are a believer, but you're really not. And it's a warning. So is it possible to be deceived about believing in Christ? How can you know that your faith is genuine? Well, the book of 1 John is devoted entirely to all of that. And he gives these questions here, and he goes through three lines of evidence to test your faith. Do you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and God? Do you love the brethren? Do you obey Christ's commandments? If your faith does not line up with those things, then really the conclusion is that you really do not know the Lord. So putting on this helmet of salvation means that you're affirming your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, loving fellow Christians, you're obeying Christ's commands, and this will give you assurance that you are saved. And it really is a strong defense against the attacks of the enemy who tries to get a hold of you and cause you to doubt your salvation. So the past, last one here is that God has... God has rescued you from sin. He is rescuing you from the power of sin, but in the future sense, he will rescue you from the very presence of sin. Listen to what 1 John 3, 2 through 3 says. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. What a glorious joy it will be that when Christ returns, the Bible says that if we are here and Christ returns, our bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Those that who have died uh, before us and, and are dead in Christ, it says that their bodies will be resurrected to new life. And we will have a new body without any presence or hint or tinge of sin whatsoever. Be resurrected reality. And we will dwell in the presence of Jesus Christ for all of eternity. And so salvation is an ongoing process. So when we put on our helmet, we are defending against the worldly type of attacks that are coming against us. And we're reminding ourselves that I have been saved, I am being saved, and one day I will be saved from the very presence of sin. So if you put on your helmet, are you putting on your helmet? Are you just allowing the, the world's philosophies and what the world says 
to come into your mind and attack you. Don't go unprotected. Put your helmet on. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.